Hello everyone, welcome to episode 71, a Ruin episode of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast that is so Warhammer that House Goliath pays us protection money. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, oh dear. <laughs> I'm your host Matt, and joining me as always, a guy that loves the Underhive so much, he now classes Necromunda as his place of birth. It's Cameron, how you doing mate? Listen, it's difficult being uh being from the underhive you know you've learned to value water and food that isn't made of human flesh no it's fine uh it's a great place <laughs> to be from love it just like home uh, <laughs> i'm doing very well i'm very excited to talk about this book i read it mm. quite a while ago and i believe i talked about it a little bit on the show and said it was great and refused to say anything else for fear of spoilers um <laughs> Because I knew, I knew in my heart of hearts we'd get around to covering this one eventually. I'm mm. so happy. This is, this is a very, very good book. Let Mike Brooks write everything to Necromunda. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you didn't know, camera's alluding mm. to it now, is to say this episode we are covering Road to Redemption by Mike Brooks. The first time we've done anything lore-wise mm. when it comes to Necromunda. So, uh, yeah. and, and before we get into it, obviously, as always with our you know, podcast, oh, yes. Discord, yes, yes. you know, you know, I, I raved about it last episode. Um, <laughs> I don't need to do it again. You know, you know no. what's going on. So I said, feel free stuff. to join and yeah, come aboard. Mm. But let's get in, let's get into it, Cameron. It's what yes. we've been waiting for. Let's mm. talk law. So, yes, here we are, Road to Redemption. Now, obviously, I would, I would say a couple of things before we crack on with it. Uh, obviously, no, spoilers, obviously. Big spoilers. Big yeah. spoilers. We're going to cover um, a lot in this. Um, and also, I, one thing I would say on a personal front is um, my um, understanding and law of Necromunda mm. is, is, is okay, but not yeah. great, as in... Yeah. I would feel that you, you know, Cameron, you will know more than me in general because obviously you play it yeah. and you read the books, you know, the the the, uh, the supplement books, etc. So um, mm. I know bits, but you know, you may have to help fill in some gaps for me. Obviously, I understood completely yeah, yeah, the book, yeah. That's okay. but just the yeah. general, you know, the way the the mm. underhive works, you'll you yeah. may need to sort of jump in and because uh, I sort of don't know as much as you, but that's fine. It yeah, yeah, matter. no worries. I can read a yeah. book. Um, yeah, it's a good book. You should read it. <laughs> Now we said we hey we said spoilers. Read the book. It's a good book. Yes. It's a little paperback book. It's not as expensive as those big hardback ones. You can read the book. Or yes. you can get it on Audible. I think is it on Audible. No, no, no. You can't. No, no. Not at the no. moment, anyway. Shame. It should be. You can get an ebook. How about that? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a shame, really, because a few of the other recent ones, like the the, the recent uh, Cal Jericho ones, on there, and mm. and then is it uh, Terminal? overkill is that another one yeah that came out? yeah yeah. That one, yeah yeah that's on there as well so yeah this one just hasn't made it on there i mean doesn't mean it won't because we've seen it with other books where they just oh, yeah. randomly just come to audible so you know but again like like camera said at the moment you can only get it as an ebook or you can get the paperback um which is yeah. nice um talking to the paperback do you have it in front of you cameron i do indeed would you like to read the back of it for me please i suppose i shall yes thanks from within the hives of necromunda where unchecked billions team and fester, House Cordor knows the truth. 
The doom of the universe hangs eternal over their heads. You cannot escape it, and you cannot escape your past. Floodgrave burns, and with it burns the life Zeke of House Cordor has built. With his friends dead, their children missing, and the culprits nowhere to be found, Zeke takes up the weapons he swore to leave behind, and starts a path down Hive that will see him face the man he used to be. He will stop at nothing, even if that means bringing the horrors of his past back into the light. Wow. It's pretty good. It's yeah. a good blurb. Yeah, it is actually. That sums it up quite nicely, actually, because I, I was, um, I think when I was, I, when I read it recently, or when I started reading, and I was talking on Twitter, mm. I think I compared it to at that time. I was about you know three or four chapters in. It felt mm. like Mad Max meets uh, Man on Fire meets The Equalizer. Um, yeah. yeah, sprinkling of Taken. It, yeah, a bit of Taken as well. Yes, <laughs> Taken as well. Liam Neeson. And his special mm. special skills, or special set of skills, I should say. Yeah, uh, yeah it's got that vibe about it. Um, mm. So, yeah, so mm. if you had to, you know, uh, obviously you've already said how great you think it is, but what do you, what's what, what's your interpretation of the book? Like as an, as an overview, like what's, if you had okay. to explain yeah. it to someone, you know, what what's the book uh, about? This is the perfect 40K novel. <laughs> it is, it is irredeemably dense when it wants to be about lore and the particular topic of Necromunda. There's plenty of stuff you might not understand, as you said, if you've not <laughs> read a decent bit beforehand. It's got gripping action. It's got decent characters. Some of them, I would yeah. dare to say, are quite good. Yeah. And it has an ending so tragic, it did actually make me cry a bit. <laughs> the first <laughs> oh, yeah, time I read yeah. it. Uh, it, is, it is the perfect grim, dark tale. Because, like... Grimdark gets thrown around a lot with, oh, look how awful this is. Oh, it, they have a weapon that can annihilate a city, and oh, the bugs are coming, etc. Grimdark is this. You try your hardest in a world that is designed to grind you into dust. And at <laughs> the end, you do achieve victory, but it's pointless, it's futile, it's terrible, it's horrible, it's not what you actually wanted. That's what this is. <laughs> It's so, <laughs> it is so thematically consistent with the 40k universe because it has all that, and it still has its moments of satire and brevity and really fun stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Like it fits, it fits 40k to a T. Uh, it's really, really fantastic. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's like it's like a 40k microcosm, isn't it? Really, mm. like it's all condensed into this this tale as well as the underhive in general. Mm. Like you said, it's it's not a great, you know, it's a very Dog, dog eat dog uh, mm, environment, yeah. which I suppose applies to a lot of the 40k universe, but particularly on Necromunda as well. Um, and again, I think like we've touched upon when we've covered other novels, I think from, you know, again, I know we're repeating ourselves, but one of the things that you and I both appreciate when we read Black Library novels is mm-hmm. the culture and the way yes. people interact with each other, not just ah. the bolter porn and the and mm. the rest of it. I mean, that's all good. It has its place. There's nothing, no debate yeah. about that. Yeah. But it's nice when you see, like, like for me, one of the things that caught me slightly off guard. Again, it could be my sort of naivety again, which is going to be pre- mm. you know, prevalent in this episode when I you fill in the gaps <laughs> for me. But is uh, with the uh, the the gangs and and the houses yeah. how they. Mm sometimes we'll just work together with each other you know like oh, they're yeah, not yeah. all uh, knives at each other's throats it sometimes no, they yeah. are but a lot of the time they're not yeah no like it's it's 
part of normal life. Like, 90% of citizens in Necromundan Hives are part of a house. 90% of citizens are not gang members. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, there, there are people who are in the gangs who are, like, the military arms of the house's interests. But, like, you know, um, so our, our main character is Zeke. He's a Cordor. He used to be a ganger, but now he's just a Cordor guy. You know, yep. he's a slime farmer. He <laughs> farms slime, but he's still part of House Cordor. Yeah. That's that's just it's just what it is, you know. Um you know, like there there are plenty of Orlocks who are not gangers again. They're just regular people living their best life down in the underhive, which is not a very good life, but it's their life. And like they are part of House Orlock. They can yeah. call on House Orlock for protection, but they're not gangers, they don't shoot people. They, but they keep all the culture of the house and all the beliefs yeah. of the house are very strong in them, which, again, like you mentioned, we love talking about culture, love all the little cultural tidbits in this book. Like, mm. if you're in House Orlock, if you're talking to someone from another house, you don't talk to them. You refer about <laughs> them in the third person and hope they yeah. get a message. <laughs> he should put I his gun that. away, they say, looking at him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, again, what I like about this book in that going off on that is the fact mm. that it and the way rather than sort of making a big deal out of it, like a lot of the things in this book, this is why I like the way it's written. Mm. There's things that that you're like, oh, I didn't know that, or oh, I see where mm. that's going, but it's not yeah. done in a in a dramatic, over the blown way. Like like mm. you said, it's just like the the Orlocks start you know, talking about Zeke when they, you know, they, they've got him at gunpoint at one point mm. and you know, they're talking about him, you know, to each other in the third person. You're like, you're like mm. Oh, okay. That's, and yeah. then it's sort of mentioned like, Oh, that's the way all locks work. They, you know, if you're, yeah. if you're not part of them, then that's what they do. And, and we, and, and sort of that, we see that with the Goliaths where they talk mm. about themselves in the third person, you know, they're yeah. like, you know, yeah. they'll, it'll be like Matt said, <laughs> Matt wants to go do this when I'm talking about myself. Yeah, and it was, yeah, exactly. and again, it's like, Oh yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. That's, Goliath, mm. that's sort of how I would see them being. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's great. Like, you see, uh, let's see, you see people from almost every gang off the top of my head. Yeah, you see someone from every every house Yeah, throughout this book. And they yeah, each have their own, um, their own little cultural tics. Like, all the Escher characters refer to the god Empress. Because Eshers, yes. as an entire house, worship the Emperor in a feminine form. Yes. Um, you see Delac. Delac are great. I love uh, mm. Aelin and Ash, who are the two Delac uh, house members in this book. They are fantastic characters. Um, yes, definitely. Like, the the perfect level of, like, creepy and off-putting, but also, like, still obviously human. Like, I, I love, like, um, Zeke is our main character, but he gets to know these two Delacs, and, you know, particularly Alan. He gets Alan, Aelin. Uh, he gets yep. very close with, and as their as their relationship grows, he's able to see more of their human emotion sort of peeking through, mm-hmm. uh, especially in moments of stress and stuff. And as part of the Delac thing, they're shadowy. They don't give up their identities really. They don't <laughs> give out information easily. Both uh, both the Delac characters are consistently uh, referred to in with like a gender neutral phrasing, not necessarily yep. non binary because. Presumably they have their own gender identities, but it's not specified and it's not meant nope. to be. There is a scene where where Alan is naked, uh, with all the lights on, fighting 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 an, an assailant, and it's never mentioned as like they are pale and spindly and all that et cetera, et cetera. You know. Yeah. Keeping it keeping it A, PG thirteen, the camera's not in yeah. focus, and B, <laughs> yeah. 
keeping up the mystery of uh, House Delac, mm-hmm. which is great, is how it should be. Yeah, um, yeah the exactly, guys, like yeah. Said, third person, all that stuff, it's great. Yeah, it's sort of, <laughs> it, it feels seamless, the way that's done. Mm. Like, it doesn't feel like, again, it's made a big deal of. It's just It just fits culture, culturally with the mm. you know with 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 that particular house the 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 way they are and I, and i think actually what, sort of touching upon what you said a minute ago when it comes to how their relationship grows and obviously some of the mm. other characters and how they they bond with each other is what i liked is it was sort of it felt and again it feels like in a bit something to do with you see in real life in modern day now where it's trying to break break down those barriers where yeah houses have got preconceived ideas of the other houses like oh you're a delac that, that you're going to be you know you're going to be a trickster you're going to trick me and actually mm. no maybe they won't you, you 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 know you grow as people you know you have these preconceived ideas because that's what happens in real life today and it, and yeah. the underhive is no different especially with the houses where you know like orlock and delac are you know really hate each other they've got mm. this real big rivalry and again yeah. it's so easy to go into these stereotypes that you mm. that they expect but you know when 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 the time comes it's like actually no no you know they like mm. you know again it's a bit like um you know with zeke again obviously he was you know when he you know left his former life as a cordor ganger he you know was taken in by an orlock farming family you know the slime mm. farmers and and obviously to alan and, and ash and any other delac that that would be like oh you you went and you know and became part of an orlock family and it's like well yeah they were good to me you know mm. they they even got to the point where they spoke to me in you know, properly didn't spoke. You know, they didn't speak about me in yeah. the third person anymore. They spoke yeah. to me directly. You know, mm. showing that their <laughs> barriers came down eventually. Oh yeah, because yeah. they realised that no, we're all good with each other. It's not mm. about what house you're part of. We're good people, or you know, we we look out for each other and try to do our yeah. best for each other and to survive in this shithole of a, a place, basically. <laughs> um, and that's and again, that's very human. That's a very human yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Where yeah, we may all have our you know, fundamental differences with different cultures, different backgrounds, whatever, but we want the same thing and, you know, we will, Mm. you know, bond and love each other potentially through that as well. Yeah, and, like, the the settlement of Floodgrave, whose inhabitants we never really get to know properly within the bounds of this novel, are, like, (laughs) super exemplary of that. Not only are there Orlok slime farmers who took in Zeke, this obviously ex-Cordor gang member not just a regular court or civilian but you know he mentions quiet tim who's an old goliath as in like over 10 years old which is old <laughs> goliath um that's my that's my favorite law tip it is like the goliath house book is like talks about this one really cool gang leader who lived to the venerable age of 15 before getting shot in the head this <laughs> 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 is like cool great um <laughs> Um, but, you know, there's, like, quite in this quite old Goliath guy who just kind of does the heavy physical labor. There's um, there's an old Escher grandma who does, like, all the brewing and purifying of water and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that that sounds like one of those really neat survival-level communities. Because um, part of this is, this book is set in, like, the deep, deep underhive. Yeah. Um, so a hive city is a big mountain-sized city, you know, whose upper spires reach, you know, the the outer reaches of the atmosphere, and then you have the ground level, and then you have the sub-ground level, and then you have the foundation, and in the foundations and below is the underhive, and this book goes about as deep down as, as it is possible to go. 
uh, over the course of the book. Um, like, it is literally a journey into the abyss. Uh, mm. you, know, you could read it like that, you know, like, <clears throat> essentially the, the gist of the story is Zeke wakes up hungover. Oh, no, there's a fire. Oh, no, the whole town has been burned down and everyone has been burned alive. Wait, where are the kids? Oh, they've been taken. And it's that that's his main motivation is I have to get the kids back. And journeys down deeper and deeper into the darker and more dangerous parts of the Underhive until the children are retrieved. Um, yeah. is the is the general overview. Yeah, I mean that's that's the story in a nutshell. It's just it's you know, the the title is very apt, Road to Redemption. That is what mm. he is uh trying to do. And I love it. It's, I know it sounds quite a simple premise, but it works. And, mm. and what I like about that, because obviously you've got this, you know, situation where you're, you know, pro- hopefully rooting for Zeke, you know, you're like, come on, yeah. Zeke, you can get, you can find these kids. And what's great. They're not your kids. You know, they're just the kids of the mm. family that took you in, you know, who have unfortunately been killed in this, in this sort of arson attack basically. And, yeah. and, and, and then brings all, you know, brings all these people along the way with him. And obviously that way we get to see the culture interactions. We get to see how the houses, um, you know, merge with each other. We get to see what I love and what I think is a, a great thing about this novel is I love the pace of it. Like it doesn't yeah. hang around too often. It, you no, feel it like in a way you're on a guided tour because effectively yeah. you're going from one settlement to another in generally, mm. you know, between the chapters um, and every settlement has got a really cool name and has got a really interesting why reason why it's called that potentially and you know and you you sort of feel like again that's what i say it feels like a guided tour you're getting to see like a <laughs> you know see all these settlements how they have to deal with the individuals there because obviously some take yeah. them in some are resistant to them and then we get to see how like it's almost like this it's like a it's like a big squad shuffle where they're sort of like right yeah, okay they, yeah. you're right these characters they have either been killed off or have uh, you know been injured so they ha- they're going to retire and so they bring mm. in some new blood like you know and you get it's like a <laughs> rotating door of um yeah. of characters and it's really it, yeah it, it can be a bit hard to keep up with it sometimes but luckily because what's quite good is most of the characters in this are quite memorable even if you don't hear because mm. some characters let's be honest you probably forget about you're like oh until they're oh, mentioned yeah. a bit later because they were mm. mentioned they've become part of this entourage and they've not yeah. really have just sort of faded into the background <laughs> a bit because obviously zeke and alan are, are the ones that yeah and, you know uh, some of the others are taking you know more attention because mm. obviously there's only so much room for all these characters but then they come back and like oh yeah that was that's the dude with the drill <laughs> on his arm you know <laughs> oh yeah i love eddie eddie's great yeah eddie 209 so mr mr drill arm yeah he looks so cool in my mind he's got like the big floppy hairdo and he's <laughs> it's, nah. it's so good it's, it's good and and, it, and again it feels very necromunda in the sense which is what we see with obviously some of the models and some of the book mm. the sort of the main books out there is like yeah. every character's got a quirky name that goes with it you've got annie <laughs> three teeth you've got quick hand cats and things like yeah. this and, it, and, and, it, and it's great because you get to because it's like the same when you you watch movies and and someone's a character's introduced with a quite a quirky name what's what, what do you do you there's that part of you that's like <laughs> i really want to know why they're called that why is annie three th- annie three teeth ironically yeah. it's not because she's only got three teeth it's because she punched someone and knocked her th- three of their teeth out and it yeah you know it, it's great you know it's sort of just you, you sort of it, it mike brooks the way he's written this gives you enough 
to mm. sort of appreciate the character without sort of going into a horrendous amount of detail, but enough where mm. you're like, I'm just going to keep an eye on that character because I'm just interested <laughs> in intrigued to know where they go. And obviously, like with Annie yeah. Three Teeth, she spends mo- when she's in the book, she's there, r- you know, running around with a chain axe. <laughs> basically, yeah, most of the time. Oh, so it's, good. I think I think great. my favorite character name is actually not one of the group. Uh, it's it's a very early antagonist. Is the Slave Gilder guy? Oh, yes. His name is. His name is Sarkon Agad, mm. which is a take on Sargon of Akkad. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. An ancient Babylonian ruler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I didn't, I didn't connect the, the dots on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very cool. All, all these little details, especially, yeah. Like, like you said, there is the perfect amount of characterization to have everyone yeah. sort of stick together and make sense. Um, and it fits within its scope properly. Like, but this is all in the Underhive. You don't see a single space marine. You don't see nope. a single alien. The nope. scariest thing they fought in this entire book was a big two-headed rat. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a trug, wasn't it? I think it was tr- mm. yeah, trug. <laughs> yeah, um, Yeah, it is so good. It is. Um, it really is like the heart and soul of this book is that set of characters, this sort of it's not really a journey to the west it's a journey to the the deepest darkest dungeon but um as it were but uh yeah it's like because it's again like it starts out just Zeke. he's all alone he encounters alan but like almost by accident they Mm -hmm. decide to team up to free ash who's alan's sibling uh and then alan and ash together say well we'll help you find your kids and then they're looking they're, they're looking for kids along with some of these slaves they freed from Sarkonagad, uh, <laughs> which includes a squat, yep. Grimbjorn Stonefist, the coolest medic in the world with a power hammer and a bolt pistol. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> also, hey, bolt weapons are awesome, and they're super powerful, and we usually lose that in the scope of 40k, and this, this mm. book is like, no, bolt weapons are incredible. They're ridiculous. Like, the fact that this guy has a bolt pistol, it's insane. Why does he have that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no questions asked. And again, it's, yeah. it's great with when we see him, because, again, you see that um, that divide. Because, obviously, again, mm. because he's a squat, he's considered, you know, a mutant, effectively. Mm. He's subhuman yeah. to a lot of the Underhive. And, obviously, particularly to the background that Zeke has with Cordor, where, mm. obviously, you know, the... the the witch, the mutants, you know, the alien is yeah. shunned, you know, for not, you know, for being against the emperor, um, yeah. which we'll talk about in a bit, because obviously we're going to be talking about his uh, his path and obviously the mm. uh, where it ends up being. But it's again, it, again, it's it's because of the pace of this. Again, it feels quick. You just see like, right, you know, I'm mm. I'm a squat. I'm I'm you know prejudiced against because I'm a squat <laughs> by a lot. But you know, at the end of the day, he's accepted by the group. He's a medic, which is obviously he's mm. going to you know, uh, have some sway as well. And again, you just see, again, yet again, barriers being broken down because the situation mm. dictates it and people start realising that, okay, he may be a squat, but, you know, he's yeah. just like everyone else, you know, don't yeah, mistreat him. guy. He just wants to drink and be left in peace. <laughs> exactly. Of course, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we get, we get all these escape slaves, um... We get to a town called Bad News, which is great. 
Like all, all the name, all the names for places are great in this. Um, it's town of bad news. Got to go rescue some kids. Maybe your kids are there. Nope, mutants didn't steal your kids. Sorry, but the entire town is coming with you. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's it. it. It's it, it's amazing how how his journey unfolds with that because that is that mm. is obviously a big part of this story. Is obviously you know yes, fundamentally it's Zeke trying to find these kids um, and why they were taken and and obviously getting revenge in some sort of capacity. But that's it. It's, it's like I said, it's this mm. entourage. And when we're talking entourage, we're talking like fifty people as well. Mm. Like oh, yeah. most of them aren't even named, you know, because people <laughs> because obviously because. Because he, you know, he helped as part of the, you know, freeing the the slaves from the slavers. Um, even though he, he did obviously have a bit of help from others, it, you know, he's mm. he's put on a bit of a pedestal, and therefore, um, you you have this sort of quite quite ironic parallel that goes throughout mm. this novel with because obviously again spoilers this the the book ends up leading towards. Um, the cult of the red redemption redemptionists basically mm. which is you know where zeke's past is from and what i think is quite ironic is and what i mean by this ironic parallel is you've got mm. which i'm assuming is is um deliberate is you've got obviously uh father infernus who's the, the you know air quotes the main bad guy in this novel mm. and yeah. you know leading his horrific you know group of redemptionists and <clears throat> excuse me and burning you know people to a crisp on their way and obviously mm. he's you know a cult you know basically a cult obviously and, and gr- oh, yeah. grabbing yeah. these people along. and if in effect that's what happens with zeke he, he yeah. ends up <laughs> having his own cult but not but it's the opposite whereas he obviously father and furnace is deliberately yeah. gathering and you know <laughs> through fear and you know and using mm. you know prayer to the god emperor whereas zeke is like like be, almost being followed you know like what are yeah, you guys doing yeah. why are you following me like oh well you know mm. you're now father zeke you know you're you've been you've been brought here by the god emperor you know and we're oh, gonna yeah. ha- come and help you on your holy task uh to yeah. to get your kids back <laughs> and he's like no no d- d- just you don't need yeah. to I'll, I'll deal with it myself thank you <laughs> yeah i love it he, he, he's like the closest thing to an action hero that the underhive has ever seen in this particular <laughs> yeah. hive city because it's like he, he leads a pretty good prayer before they go to fight a whole horde of mutants to get some stolen children back. And then the end of fighting the mutants is he jumps off a hanging chain into the mouth of a two-headed giant mutant rat. <laughs> you know, kicks it in the eye, falls over, and then just empties two auto pistols down its throat and just kills it. And everyone's like, what the hell was that? That's the coolest thing we've ever seen. And then, you know, like, you know, freeze an actual corridor, like faithful member who saw all that and is like, yes, yes, you're definitely, you're definitely sent by the God Emperor is like, please, please. <laughs> I like his internal monologue of just sheer disgust and discomfort whenever anyone tries to make him out to be anything other than pathetic. Yes. It's really, really relatable. Um, <laughs> no. Well, and, like, and, it's, and, it's very and I suppose that's a corridor him. thing as well. That's sort oh, yeah. of how, you have to how they, that's why they wear masks, isn't it? I think mm. to sort of, you know, to be, you know, not lacking in personality, but to also like, you know, that the physical appearance is nothing, you know, it's just about, mm. you know, pray, praying to the emperor and all yeah, that really. Yeah. It's, um, it's sinful to believe your individuality is more important than your faith. That's it. So they all wear yeah. masks. <laughs> and he's like, well, I haven't worn a mask in many years. And they make him a mask. And he's like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> but, he can't, but he can't turn it down because all these people are looking up to 
up to him and he's like, well, if I refuse it and this really faithful guy decides to take half the half the warband I've built up, I'm not going to be able to rescue the kid, so I have to take it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. And he, 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 he's, that's it. A lot of the book is compromise, I think. You mm-hmm. know, that's sort of quite a, a key theme for all this because he is making a compromise all the way through because obviously oh, you, know, yeah. you know he's like you said he's having to compromise with having all these people follow him because you know in reality he's trying to shun away from that because obviously he wants to mm. forget his past he doesn't want this cult mentality <laughs> that he that he's inadvertently getting uh, or having mm. with you know follow him but then at the same time knowing what he's going to get go up against and obviously even even if the redemptionists weren't involved you know just having to deal with the you know the toll wardens that, that oh, you have to God, get past yeah. the 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 settlement and settlements and their gangs the fact that mm. the, the wildlife wants to kill you like you said earlier yeah. it's you know very grim dark everything wants to go out and kill you you need an entourage <laughs> basically mm. you, you oh know, yeah this is me and my 50 bodyguards <laughs> yeah and it, it gets to that super cult status. Like, in one town, they're set upon by the followers of Father Infernus, who are like, they're not actual redemptionists, they're just regular people who really think he's got the right idea. So mm. when they hear, these guys are in town to hunt down and kill Father Infernus, like, cool, kill them first, that'll be great. And he has to stop his group from just tearing 12 people apart or burning them yeah. to death. Yeah. He's like, guys, hey, we're not redemptionists. You're all here because you want want me to want to help me stop someone from burning people alive can you put down the gasoline yeah yeah you do realize oh you're becoming what you hate yeah oh and you get the you get the great line from uh yuria who's the old corridor grandpa they rescued he's like give me fuel give me fire give the emperor that which he yeah. desires he's like trying to build a pyre i'm like stop that i, I immediately <laughs> thought of fuel by metallica because that's like a, mm, a, a yeah you know the first line or almost the first line of that song and it's just <laughs> oh yeah. just cracked me up knowing mike brooks that's a hundred percent deliberate <laughs> yeah and it, it, and again it just shows you that that sort of horde mentality that's in the underhive mm. like yeah mm. let's all gang up and kill the bad people but then ironically we're just being as bad as them in our, our own way <laughs> because obviously with the the, the sympathizers that obviously they've sort of gathered up in that particular settlement. Some of them are obviously fanatical redemptionists, mm. like I said, sympathizers, but some of them are sort of almost caught, caught in the middle of it and like that are just yeah. suspected and like and with their kids and they're getting, like I said, getting, you know, you know, almost on said on the verge of being burnt alive. And it's, it's, it, it, it's funny because it, you, you have these very comedic moments like we see in a lot of the other novels, but then it gets, mm. it gets to this sort of quite, you know, it doesn't hold back on its brutality at times oh, yeah. the way yeah i mean the aquila shaped <laughs> corpse that we see oh, later God, yeah is a personification yeah. of that <laughs> that is yeah that's something that's straight out of film. hannibal <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah so the 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 version of a bloody eagle in the 40k universe is apparently cut someone's leg off at the thighs uh spread their arms out then skin them so that the skin hangs down like feathers and then cut their head in half and face each half a different way. Voila, you've turned a man into an Aquila. Congratulations. (laughs) And then then light a big trench of fire with an improbable amount of Prometheum. (laughs) Just let that sucker burn forever. (laughs) It's so bad. But it's 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 good in the sense that it just gets... I mean, I, I like the fact that the way it's written is you... Well, again, I presume is you would hate the redemptionists, you know, for oh, what yeah. they they do, you know, like playing them as the bad guys um, is is you know is done very well because obviously you just because 
I like the fact we get this sort of situation where every every few chapters it switches back to the the two kids, the two kids was mm. Essie and and Donald, Essie and the Donald, two, yeah, the the two kids that Zeke is trying to you know find, and they've obviously been captured by the Redemptionists and are. It, not, not being mistreated as such in a way because the essie no. the, who's the like, sort of teenage girl almost uh, an adult she's being shown how to use a gun and you know and, and mm. such whereas donald the young lad is off. <laughs> yeah and uh you know and it's quite good because you sort of see you're getting i like the fact you're getting an insight into the, the way they're working but not it's mm. sort of like you, you just dip in for a few pages like oh here we go yeah, let's see yeah. this bit of redemptionist and then we put and it pulls back to whatever zeke's up to it's nice that you're sort of like it's a slow build-up to the redemptionists yeah. i like yeah. that yeah and like the redemptionists themselves are not <clears throat> not i would say entirely unsympathetic no um like so we 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 eventually come around to the truth of matters it's a bunch of redemptionists going around burning people zeke didn't want it to be true because he was a member like the mm. reason he is ex Cordor is because he uh, essentially went into exile when he killed Father Infernus many years ago. Mm. So, what you say isn't Father Infernus the one now? Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but we get flashbacks to his past and like it's pretty abusive <laughs> to be a mm. member of this cult. Like uh, the original Father Infernus is like cool. You're not allowed any physical comfort from any other human being. Uh, the love of the god emperor should be enough for you. And so, like, <laughs> Zeke and his buddy in the gang, Lucas, sleep together, like, not necessarily in a sexual way. I don't know, it's not really clarified there, but, like, you know, just for, like, the physical comfort of having another human nearby. Yeah. yeah but so, they, are, yeah. they have to wake up early every morning before everyone else to make sure Father Infernus doesn't find out you've secretly been enjoying the sinful pleasure of human contact. <laughs> um, and when he does find out he tries to burn zeke at the stake because that's, that's what the he does. kind of penalty yeah yeah like it's insane uh and utterly insane and we come around like the big reveal is that turns out uh you know zeke in his flashback you know manages to break out of it and kills father and and runs off basically um and we find out that all these years later lucas has become father and furnace yes. all over again uh, and <laughs> big spoilers. Hey, we told you. Um, but it's really, it's honestly really sad and sympathetic because it is literally just a cycle of abuse. Because yeah. there's, they, he and Zeke have a conversation before things pop off for like the final battle. And he literally says, Help me. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing anymore. And is like genuinely desperate and lost yeah. because he's doing what he knows. This is the only thing he was raised as a as like an orphan by father and furnace this is the way and all these years later he's just become the same monster because he doesn't <laughs> yeah. know what else to do <laughs> yeah is that, that that hits it on the head yeah it's 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 tragic in in mm. in that sense and it and it, and again it's quite realistic because oh, again yeah. that's something that happens in real life you know where mm. people are abused and then they become the abuser you know because of mm. that and 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 that's like you said that cycle continues and and you you and again you sort of see it with the redemptionist was is it bella uh so bella mm. is is the sort of one of the redemptionists who's uh teaching essie how to use her gun throughout and yeah and obviously and helped zeke escape in his flashback you know when he when he fought, mm. like i said when he killed father in furnace he uh she sort of deliberately shot one of the other redemptionists pretending like she mm. accidentally hit them and there's that <laughs> sort of moment where 
Zeke and Bella come, you know, come uh, in contact with each other right towards the end where he's, you know, everything, everything's kicking off and he's trying to find the two kids. And she's sort yeah. of like, and he's like, why, you know, why are you doing these? You know, why are you helping me? Because obviously she points him towards where the kids are. And she's mm. like, because, you know, and like, why have you been part of the redemptionist? It's like, because I didn't know I was, st- she was effectively stuck. She's like, I'm oh, yeah. like, she was just going along with the guy, the redemptionist because it was better than resisting them. And, you know, and whatever would happen to her, she sort of just, so she's doing, she, she's, you know, trying to be, she's being bad, but not only enough to, to sort of, you Survive. know, stick with the yeah. gang basically. Yeah. Which is tragic. Like we said, yeah, it's tragic because you need other people to survive, especially in this terrible, awful place. Mm. Um, and like, yeah, she like, she's glad he's still alive. She's glad it's over, but she's still, <laughs> you know, still an awful old woman who, participated in essential essentially brainwashing and abuse of children yeah (laughs) and all the other terrible stuff the redemptionists did but yeah um it's super tragic it's so tragic it's so awful i i hate the ending because it's really good which is (laughs) negotiations between zeke and lucas break down uh when lucas puts his hand on zeke's shoulder which is injured zeke yells out because like unexpected pain uh alan you know, essentially shoves Lucas off and gets shot in the shoulder with a bolt pistol, which kills them. Yeah. Because it's a bolt gun. Um, exactly, yeah. And just, you know, they've only got a coat blow on your them. head off. <laughs> they've got, yeah, they've only got a coat and a little bit of flak armor under that. They, they can't live through that. Um, and it turns into an all-out gang warfare um, in this <laughs> little, little, like, flotilla city built on the sump, which is this enormous, like, essentially pollution lake where the water where the water table should be um and you know zeke is rushing through the fight looking for the kids looking for the kids um earlier on he had a mask of rags that was made for him by the followers the night before this they were like you need something nicer here's a leather mask um <clears throat> and essie had heard that a man named zeke in a mask of rags was coming for them and she's like could it be could it be Zeke, our crazy old uncle who lived in the roof and drank too much? Because <laughs> um, they don't—they yeah. don't know what he is. Obviously, he's like cool. If I see a guy with rags on his face, we're all safe. Um, but he's wearing this new leather mask. Bursts into where Essie and Domala, and she shoots him because he looks like a crazy guy because he's running around with guns, yelling with a mask and covered in blood. <laughs> and uh, he dies. He yeah. finds the kids. He, he he wins, technically, they're safe, because he entrusts <laughs> them to Ash, uh, who reluctantly, because they are Orlocks, agrees to take care of them for Zeke and for Alan's sake, because both Zeke and Alan are now dead slash dying. <clears throat> yep. Um, and, you know, the, it, the novel is really nicely bookended, because it starts and ends the same way, with this thick, cloying smoke, which is the smoke of death, which is smoke with that is like burned human flesh as this entire little town burns to the ground mm. uh, with Zeke dead for his many sins, just slap bang in the middle of it, basically. It is incredibly tragic. It is yeah. incredibly like moving and it is so perfect. Yeah. And it, and it, it's nice to have a, again, a double edged bittersweet ending. It's nice that, mm. yeah, kids are safe, but unfortunately Zeke dies and, the place is on fire like like you said yeah. right at the start and I, I love that i love it when it i you know it's horrible in you know like i said mm. from a an emotional point of view but it's great because again that sort of sums up necromunda and the underhive yeah. and what yeah. everyone has to go through 
in this. It, like you said, that microcosm, you know, comparison is is absolutely bang on. And again, this shows it. And again, we we see the the tragedy. We see, like I said, the breaking down the barriers. We see all the diversity. Um, mm. But then we again we see the humour in it as well. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. We see like where I look, the one of my favourite bits is when. That um, I can't remember her name, but the the, the sort of the, the the lady in charge of the, the toll wardens, the one with oh, the big yeah. over the top wig. So, yeah. <laughs> so she's part, you know, she's got, you know, she has authority. So the toll wardens, uh, as you'd imagine, it's a toll. You know, they basically got some watchtowers guarding um, this particular area, and obviously you've got to pay to get through. A fight kicks yeah. off, and it ends up where with the um is it one of the the sort of the female one of the female goliath leaders yeah of the one of the gangs that sort of joined them like literally just throws like grabs her by <laughs> and just throws her in this in this uh hive rift which is basically like just like a bottomless yeah. pit <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah it's like it's so good no gods no kings only goliath and just two hand chucks a person down into the bottomless pit yeah. Like, you know, what are you doing? They've got the key to open the gates and open the treasure chest and everything. Like, oh, don't worry, I'm not stupid. I'm just struggling. yeah. It's like I, I grabbed that. Again, and I, I and I think one one thing to I think we can definitely well, in my opinion, anyway, praise as part of this novel is, is the action scenes because again, mm. you know, like we said earlier, Bolter porn. You know, in I know there's there's only a few bolters in this, but ironically, but the you know the action scenes can always be a bit you know whatever in some novels because you know uh, obviously it's the other things that you know can be more interesting. But I think the actual mm. fight scenes are nice because they're quite visceral. Yeah. They're quite yeah. It, it again it personifies that survival aspect. Like nothing's mm. clean in this, and there's no, no clean no. fighting. You know, Zeke is drop kicking two headed rats and <laughs> yeah. you know he's get he's getting a spear you know spear gun a harpoon gun you know harpoon th- shot through his arm and like he's having mm. to like tear his arm off you know for the uh the, <laughs> the thing and like having it ragged and like things you yeah. know, getting shot in the head and and, mm. and your neck's broken and you know it's everything's visceral like it's it's sort mm. of like you'd see on the tabletop like i said things are things that are vicious like you said like a bolt pistol are you know, it's yeah. not like 40k where things oh, yeah. are pinging off, you know, right rhino <laughs> hulls, you know. Yeah, yeah. It also has the uh, the most Necromundan death ever, which is actually, again, a sort of little microcosm of tragedy. Um, so they're attacking this mutant enclave to free all these stolen children and stolen non-children. They're like adults locked up there as well. Yeah. Uh, and there's a youth from the town of Bad News helping them. And after the battle, they're like tallying up the dead and... This this teenager died because he opened a cage, turned to go to the next cage, slipped and fell off the cage. Yeah, and broke his neck. Which very necromunda that can absolutely happen. Um, mm. But also like a mini tragedy. Like it's the battle scenes are all the always these big frenetic fast paced things because Zeke's an ordinary guy and a lot's going on. But just <laughs> yeah. like the knowledge that in the background there's this moment of just like accidental death in the middle of this massive essentially mutant purge. Um, felt felt really weird and tragic compared to you know the guy who got shot with a blunderbuss or the person who got lifted up by the bat mutant and just dropped yeah. from the ceiling and yeah. things like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's it, I suppose. Deliberately, because there's so many characters, even the ones that are just mm. briefly mentioned, like as a name and a, a brief description, that they they're almost they well they are they're disposable. 
you know, from a mm. writing oh, point yeah. of view, because obviously there's so many. You go well, yeah. Uh, just to let you know, this one's died. This one got <laughs> has been had his leg blown off. Um, you know, because <laughs> and it just carries on because obviously the main characters at that point are, are just about holding themselves together to you know to carry on, mm. so they can sort of. Uh, you know, when Mike Brooks is probably right, this he can sort of wipe off the old character just to, you know, because again, that's what would happen. And also, again, it summarizes the fact that a lot of the people in this aren't actually fighters. They're not gangers. Like you said, oh, no, they're not, yeah. they're just, they're just regular civilians that have just thought, okay, I'm, you know, it's, I'll grab my, you know, Necromundan pitchfork, you know, effectively and go <laughs> off and, and, uh, and fight the good fight. That's what they, yeah. that's what they've done. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, fatalities will happen as part of that. Often oh, there's. Yeah. yeah. Like before the Goliaths join up, they say they've got 12 fighters out of 50 people. So like <laughs> yeah. Then 10 Goliaths and two Vansars show up to join the hunt for the redemption. It's like, cool, we've literally doubled the number of able bodies. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh dear. It's, it's, yeah. it's good. It's, that's, uh, it's so good. I, I, I think, um, one thing that I thought was interesting, going back to the, the redemptionists um yeah. can actually can you from your understanding what's the because again some people listening may not be so sure what's the connection with cordor and the redemptionists in general okay yeah um so it goes like this all redemptionists are house cordor most house cordor are not redemptionists they're essentially like yeah. a fringe religious extremist group like mm-hmm. house cordor is big into faith it's big big into like burning the witch the mutant heretic and all that like they they are like top tier in the imperium in levels of you know do the correct thing by the faith praise the god emperor burn everything that's not standard human like and we see that with zeke as well like he's got this innate revulsion for mutation that's been trained into him from birth like Mm. It, like, he sees Grimbjorn as, like, oh, God, ugh, God, a squad is so short, ugh, ugh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then the, the Redemptionists are essentially the super extremist group. Like, um, House Cordor wears the face mask. The Redemptionists wear the Ku Klux Klan hood, like, literally in the old miniatures. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember. If they, yeah. if they updated them, uh, they probably would not. But, like, um, yeah, they're, they're more in love with the, the punishment and destruction side of eradicating perceived sin from the world than the actual, like, meaningful worship as part of daily life, which is what most of the rest of House Cordor does. Like, Cordor on a whole, most of its members are scavengers. Like, they literally yeah. sift through rubbish Running, for a yeah. living. Then there's, like, the gangers who go around and defend the people who sift through rubbish. And then there's the redemptionists who give all the rest of them a bad name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the extremist wing of the uh, of the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I suppose. I suppose what we what what's good is we we well, I say good is and we see in this novel is is uh, that that it comes across and it, I think it's actually stated is that mm. the reason they do these things to people, well, literally, you know, burning them is it's not mm. just oh it's not the usual oh you you don't believe in the emperor it's you don't love you don't love the emperor enough. So you could yeah, still be, yeah. uh, you know, pro-emperor. You're not an alien, not a witch, you're not a heretic. You, you know, you <laughs> love the emperor. But you know what? You don't love him enough. So for <laughs> that, we're going to burn you. It's, just, you know, yeah. it's very black and yeah. white, the way they sort of think. It's very convenient that you can show your love and devotion to the emperor by giving the redemptionist some food or a safe yes. place to stay for the night. It's very yeah. convenient that that's how you express mm. your, your devotion. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, they they are they are religious zealots and extremists. They are also just kind of like a terrorist group that mm. want that want what they want. Like it's it's twofold. It's like they genuinely believe all that, but also they are just kind of roaming around stealing shit and killing anyone who resists them. Yeah, basically <laughs> because they feel that they can because of their yeah they're their, the blessed uh, of the emperor yeah. Exactly, <laughs> and and it, and it it actually what again going off the back of that one thing I mm. I don't say found surprising just more like oh you know that's something I wasn't overly aware of is put yeah. again putting aside the redemptionist to one side uh, how how religious the the underhive is in general putting again again putting oh, yeah. Zeke across but just everyone mm. else everyone's there is very pro in general not everyone but they're very pro. <laughs> emperor you know they're willing to oh, pray yeah. to him you know yeah. like despite the fact that you know the emperor's realistically never you know in in when he was not on his uh on his uh <laughs> corpse throne <laughs> he you know he probably never went to necromunda and so it oh, like yeah. it's yeah they still feel touched by it like it's still mm. like it, it despite living in this shithole and in this like i said this dog eat dog trying to survive um lifestyle you know every day you live is you know is a blessing it's yeah. they still have this extreme like the you know the the working joe still has uh, a real faith in the emperor and seeks it out yeah. as well if yeah. they can i mean like again this is the perfect 40k book because i think i think the fact that that feels weird is indicative of the setting because mm. the like faith in the emperor that is not the religion of the of the Imperium. That is the state enforced religion. Like it is mandatory. You have to know these things. You are taught them from an early age. I mean, realistically, Ecclesiarchy doesn't really go down into the Underhive. That's what House Cordor's for. But were <laughs> yeah. they to show up one day and you couldn't recite the prayers properly, you might get taken away. Yeah. You should probably learn all the prayers, kid. And so like, yeah, the fact that it's like guess what? 90% of people in the Imperium are like that. They're mm. all at least they're all at least that religious just because it's the only thing they know. It's been drilled into them their entire life. The entire society is structured around it. Out, like in the Underhive you struggle for survival and then you're faithful in like your day-to-day life like you believe in sermons, you pray, all that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. in in the actual hive itself you know, you go to work, you pass the shrine, you've got to make a donation, you say a prayer publicly, all that kind of stuff. Like, it's it's, it's so ingrained into Imperial culture that it's, like, at this point, inextricable from it, which I'm sure has given Gilliman some headaches every time he <laughs> thinks about it. Um, <laughs> as, like, also, the Underhive is fucking awful, pardon my French. <laughs> uh, a, little, a little religion doesn't hurt when if you stray too far from your house, a spider the size of a football with crystals fries will come down from the ceiling and kill you. <laughs> 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 I, I, I suppose going back to the, you know, the, the, the praise to the emperor, I think what surprised me about that in a way, and again, it's probably just because I haven't read enough about Necromander in general, is the mm. fact that I suppose I felt the the these again mainly the gangs i suppose there's almost like a law amongst you know upon themselves really and mm. i suppose i felt in a way they'd be too uh busy or too much dealing with their own stuff to care about what's happening with the emperor if you see what i mean mm. like if you compare to the sort of again you're working joes and your your typical civilians on terror for example obviously yeah. you're, you're yeah. on the you know you're on terror you know you you're you're always going to have you know the, the emperor touching you in some sort of yeah, way, you know, the, whether yeah. it's through the ecclesiarchy or, or whatever. But 
Whereas I think they're so far down that, like, mm. like they'd be again away from the the light of the emperor. Like it wouldn't be a a thing for them. They're like, they're, you know, all oh, they yeah. care about is money. You know, survival, getting food, <laughs> do it. You know, shafting over the, over other gangs. You know, the emperor's like the emperor's mm. off. You know, miles away, literally. Oh yeah, know, and figuratively yeah. as well. That's what surprised yeah. me that how how still quite prominent the emperor is down there. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely, it it should be like that. And yeah, mm, the Imperium yeah. finds a way. Um, <laughs> so, the Ecclesiarchy, the Ecclesiarchy ruins everything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like like the gangs and stuff overall, very busy doing the gang stuff, sure. But like mm. you know, there, there's place in your heart for belief at the very least, even mm. if you don't have time to go to a shrine or anything like that. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like at the end of the day, it's a death cult. You know, mm. God's mm-hmm. dead. We can't wait to die and join him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sums it up. Yeah, I, pretty fitting. I, I, I think as well with, with the gangs. Um, what I, again? One, one, cause we'll wrap it up shortly. I think one mm. of the things that I liked is that again. I, I know we've sort of suggested this before, but the gangs aren't really the focus either. You get gangers oh, yeah. and the odd mm. figure, but it's nice that you're you're seeing almost the layer below that. You know, mm. you're you're seeing, like I said, your civilians. You know that you you people that are part of a house, but you know, not a ganger. And I, I think it's nice because again, it just again it just shows you that there's more depth to the underhive and necromunda more so yeah. than just gangers fighting. You know, again, obviously oh, yeah. that's what the tabletop is for, but you yeah, know, these yeah. these novels get to show you that that you not you know um, might not be familiar with. And I think it's also something that mike brooks excels at in my opinion as well because Mm, what i like about the novels i've read of his is he tends to sort of target that sort of thing like like he wrote rites of passage which is about the house Mm. the um, the navigator houses again something that feels like it's touched upon in 40k novels but you get to see more about the politics and what's going on Mm. oh you know cool and (laughs) and obviously he did uh, brutal cunning as well you know the recent orcs book which again yeah. shows you them in a different light as well i like like you know he seems to excel at showing the things that we know about we know about necromunda we know about yeah navigator houses but let's let's get that microscope out and, and have a look a bit <laughs> bit deeper yeah how they really work and how it all interacts i like that i'm a big, yeah. big fan of that oh yeah he's awesome love him um mm. Definitely. To be fair, I liked him ever since I read his Necromunda short story about lesbian Eshers trying not to be outlawed. That was oh, yeah. Was that that one, <laughs> Wanted Dead? I think that's the name yeah, of that one. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the one. That was yeah. a really good novella. I really enjoyed mm. that. Yeah it's, yeah, it's cool. I love his oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah, read this book. We've not actually spoiled all that much of it, honestly. You know the ending. That's the big yeah. spoiler. That's about it. It's It's so good. <laughs> exactly there's probably i think the the whole lucas thing is probably the little twist that you may not yeah. see coming but but ultimately most of it yeah we've not spoiled it because again there's a lot of description that we're not going to touch upon so yeah don't feel that just because we've you've listened to this you may not want to read it because it is a hundred percent you know very much worth reading because it is oh, i think yes. I, th- I would say this is a massive sleeper hit when it comes to the black mm. library novels because it's so it's so easy to you know disregard this because obviously necromunda's a bit of a niche anyway because obviously you know people yeah. that are into 40k and aos may not be interested in necromunda that's but they should be you but they should, should exactly be. yes they should come <laughs> they should they should delve into the underhive and i think this is one of those where you know i 
know, I know you had high praise for it. I thought, oh, let's do Necromunda. Mm. I read it and I thought, and I'm so chuffed with this book. I'm so <laughs> impressed with how good this was. It was a lot better. I shouldn't be because again, I was just praising Mike Brooks a minute ago and I've always liked yeah. what he does. I shouldn't be surprised, but I still was. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the, that's the review. Uh, I shouldn't be surprised, <laughs> but I was. Um, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> cool right i think uh, unless there's anything else you wanted to add to any of that we'll we'll wrap it up no no um if you've got a passing interest in necromanda this is just a great way to get a feel for it i would say mm. like yeah it it hits um it hits like maybe like a little more serious than a lot of the actual necromanda game stuff does because that's yes. lots of silly stuff like accidentally shooting your own guy in the back of the head <laughs> but like it, it gets the it gets the setting like Feel, overall feeling and atmosphere really down pat it's it's a great book overall like if it was, if it was set in like something that's not the underhive i think it would still be great mm-hmm. like just yeah. like similar character ideas tweaked for i don't know like a, a katachan katachan unit trying to find their lost dog or something i don't know would still be pretty good um <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. like yeah if you if you're at all interested in necromunda definitely read this book it's great mm. if you're already really into necromunda read the book it's great what are you doing yeah. <laughs> it'll make you start a corridor gang probably um i know like part of me part of me wants to make like the named characters of this is like a little uh you could run it as like a venator's gang which is like a oh yeah of your own gang That'd work, would be pretty it? cool yeah um one day one day in the deep <laughs> future uh yeah it, it's so cool read the book yeah. read it give mike brooks Give Mike Brooks his hard-earned royalties. He needs mm. them to write more stuff. Um, and also, uh, hey, Mike Brooks, keep up the good work. Put more uh, put more LGBTQ stuff into books. Keep mm. doing it. I see you there. Yeah, I, I agree. See you there. I see you there, gay couple in bad news, worried about your children. I'm into it. Yeah, I, well, that's <laughs> it. And, and again, it, I, I know we sort of, again, touched upon it earlier, but I like the fact mm. how it's integrated. It, yeah it, it feels natural which is the mm. way it should be it just feels yeah it's yeah. normal part of life again as it should be you know and that's <laughs> a perfect way to do it so no definitely I, I i love his stuff and i hope like i said he does more so uh mm. so yeah that's road to redemption by mike brooks check it out so mm. that's the end of episode 71 and as always cameron where can people find you on that internet Come join the Discord. You can talk to me there. You'll see stuff as it happens, live updated. You can you can probably finagle things so you can get notifications whenever I post. Don't do that. I post an awful lot in the Discord. Um, <laughs> for more chill versions of that, uh, you can check me out on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Um, come hang out, posting stuff about Australia, because that's where I live. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like watching the world burn from afar on my relatively peaceful island. I'm so sorry, everyone else in the universe. Um, it's rough out there. I love you guys. Um, you can also, if you're more interested in the hobby side of thing, obviously, go check out Instagram at realm underscore and underscore ruin. Or you can head on over to the podcast Twitter, which is... It is at uh, realm and ruin. I had to think then for a second. I was like... <laughs> 
What is it again? <laughs> <laughs> yes, at Realm and Ruin, or Real Man Druin, if you look mm, at it in a different yes. way. Depends how you how you see it. But yes, that is the <laughs> that is our <laughs> official podcast. That is the, our main source of that social media activity. Uh, you can also yeah. find me on Twitter as well at Ninja Badger Seven, the number seven. Uh, come along, I said, chat to us. Mm. We don't bite unless you ask us to, and even then, we may not. <laughs> Depends what mood mm. we're in. <laughs> and uh so i hope you've enjoyed this episode i said we'll uh be planning something hopefully for our third anniversary soon and mm, and obviously whatever really things fun. we decide to cover this year we don't know we, you know we're keeping it easy it's 2021 yeah. so yeah. we'll see what happens and uh as always i said enjoy your hobby don't tell anyone else how to do theirs as always we'll catch you on the next one bye bye everybody <laughs>